Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast, your number one resource for tabletop gaming news and discussion. I like to think of it that way. We're going to talk about all kinds of topics this week in the world of board games and RPGs. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will, and of course, we got a lot going on, but it's been pretty busy leading up to this week. Uh, lots of news, lots of Gen Con stuff. Did we did we finally finish all our Gen Con uh, videos, Jonathan? I think we did. We did, yes. All our, all our Gen Con YouTube content is out now. It feels like we've been at Gen Con for a week and a half, even though it only lasted for us three days. <laughs> yeah, it, it did not help. I had some more, plenty more business and stuff after the weekend afterwards. So this is the, the first week where I can sort of take a breather. But before we take a breather, we need to roll some dice. Jonathan, yeah, to see yeah. how well this podcast goes, we always roll a D20 to see what fate has in store for us. As always, I have three dice just bought from Gen Con. I, I stocked up on D20s there. That's right. <laughs> so, that's right. And I'm going to choose which one you're going to roll. So I'm going to I'm going to choose the first die. All right. I do this list. to make sure uh, I'm not completely uh, it's like fault. It's like cutting the deck for someone. <laughs> Uh, this is a nice. Uh, it's a. It looks like a little birthday cake. It's a white die with blue and <laughs> with blue, with a white die with like little blue and purple speckles with red lettering. That's <laughs> nice. I might want to eat that die. I love how we say lettering, but there's numbers. Numbering. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's acceptable. Go ahead, roll that die. I I did, mm -hmm. and in in some places this is a very lucky number. Uh oh. Uh, but it's a little <laughs> below average. It's an eight. Oh oh, where's that lucky? Uh, China. Oh, we'll learn something new every day. Uh, was, is four lucky in China, too? No, four is oh, like four is the bad death. one. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I should probably get that straight before I get That's go my lucky number. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it is what it is. Well, it's an eight. That's all right. We'll, we'll, we're we're going to work with what we've got. Uh, and to help us out doing that, everybody, joining our party today, our guest is a writer and editor and Gen Con's official community manager. Welcome to the show, Kelsey Danger. Hello, I'm here. I can't save your dice rolls, though. I'm notoriously bad at them. So the reason you rolled so badly actually might be because I'm here. Uh, no, 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 no. We never, we never blame the guests on the show. The next, oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> next week, we will be blaming you for this week. Perfect. That's how <laughs> not, it should go. Not before then. Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know if we rolled an eight yet. So this is good. Remember, oh. We're still trying to collect the entire. Uh, yeah, we've been trying. We're only on episode twenty-five. We've been trying to at least you know get one number once each. Okay, all right. We're, we're I, I do have to ask though, how many how many sets of die did you buy when you were at Gen Con? You know those um the uh, I think it's a chess chess booth, yeah, mm. where, the, where you can just keep trying to go as much as you can fit. Yeah, you just yeah, like yeah, dig yeah. a mug in. <laughs> oh, except you didn't dig the mug. You specifically hunted for. for yeah, you can either go random. Or you can pick and choose. I need to pick and choose because I'm here just for D20s because I got to go full variety here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what they suggest you try to do, which is a lot easier if you're going random, is to go beyond the lid and keep stacking them. Beyond I think we have a photo on Instagram. The, uh, the, <laughs> the edge, yeah. So you can see me desperately trying to stack D20s above. I'm like, this is, doesn't fit as well. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And then I think I made a joke and you immediately yeah, dropped them Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, people, we've talked a lot about Gen Con, as we said, on YouTube and on our podcast. But since you're here, Kelsey, I got to ask real quick before we get started with the show proper, just what was what, what was the experience like for you? How did, how did the show go for you uh, uh, in your position and with this strange year that we're having? 
So it, it, it was interesting for me because I got brought on Gen Con a year ago. Um, and before that, I was an exhibitor. Um, and so I've never got to experience Gen Con as a normal attendee ever in my life. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and this year was no different. And because last year I was doing Gen Con online, I, you know, I, I built that up from scratch. And it was also the first year that Gen Con had a community manager. Um, it was really kind of a litmus test for me to, to put into practice all the stuff that I had really been wanting to do at Gen Con, like all of the, the DEI work and pronoun ribbons and teaching mm. people about empathy and, and things like that. Um, and I was really excited to see the reception from that. I was really excited to see people more comfortable talking about their experiences, good and bad, um, so we could move forward. And I was also excited to see so many faces that I have only known online for a year and a half, not just my coworkers, which I've only ever seen on zoom until now. Um, <laughs> but also uh, attendees that I've known on discord or through our community pages and, and Facebook and Twitter for over a year and getting to meet them was pretty cool. Um, was it chaotic? Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Uh, I think uh, David happy described, he's our um, president and CEO. I think he described it as a lot of fun and a little weird. And that, that still proves true. I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's, I, I mean, I think that's the best you can hope for. You want it to be at least a little weird. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad that I'm glad the show went well for you. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad you, you, you came back and you're, you know, you've recovered, you're rested. I'm I not a corpse anymore. I'm, I'm half a corpse. I'm no longer a lich. <laughs> and yeah, we had a great time and uh definitely uh, I appreciated and noticed those small touches. We had the we had the the pronoun ribbons as you said. You know, that was you know, we had there was like the nice uh, the the no harassment tolerated signs on the doors and everything. It, yeah. it did definitely felt like there was I think you could tell there was an effort made to be more inclusive this year. Uh, yeah, so. we've really been trying to. So it's been interesting for that that year that we've been you know, out of the game, essentially, we've been really working hard on that kind of DEI work internally. And this was the first year we get to like show people what we're doing. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very exciting to, to see people look at this and be like, Oh, they actually mean it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And one, I, I think a great example, I want to go to the, uh, the pronouncing. Cause I never thinking about this when we first got our badges, mm. the fact they're there is um, now, of course I'm forgetting it. There's this great book talking about how we can do great changes. It's like called a nudge. Yeah. And it's not about like this, like, it's just like, look, we're putting it right in front of you where it's so easy to get. And yep. because of that, it's a lot easier for you to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. We'll just put this on now. Cause I'm already putting on my badge and it makes these, and it makes it so much warmer too for everyone, you know, things like that. And I just found that to be, it was something I noticed. I remember when we saw them there and I'm glad. Uh, now I'm really glad we have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my favorite thing about it and the thing that made it easier for me is because I, I never want to uh, mistake someone's gender. Uh, so most mm. of the time when I'm talking to somebody for the first time, I just use they, them, uh, and I'll keep doing that until they tell me to do otherwise, basically, or they somehow like flag their gender like in a pin or, or a ribbon or whatever else. And this is just in life for me. And the cool thing about those ribbons is the colors were so distinct. I could recognize them from across the floor so I could figure out what someone's gender was before I started talking to them. So I didn't mess it up. <laughs> right. And on the other side, like if you're maybe awkward or because you just, yeah. you know, sometimes how people need to 
just because, you know, we're the place you are in culturally to correct, mm-hmm. to be like, oh, I don't have to. There's a perfect way to identify here. I can just put it on my badge. Yep. You know, yep. I'm sure that for a lot of people probably makes them feel really yeah. good that they have that option put to them once again, very easily. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's going to take practice. Like a lot of these, it, I, I will say it is one small change in a lot of the big work we have to oh do. yeah no this is not the uh i wish this was the oh my it, god it yeah could be that man if i could solve every uh diversity issue with ribbons that'd be sick but i can't <laughs> everyone don't worry about global warming we have ribbons <laughs> yeah racism don't worry about it i got ribbons <laughs> god if there was only a ribbon that would just tell me everyone's race wait this sounds like going down a bad path oh <laughs> I'm going to cut that out of the episode. Well, I think you solved at least like 9% of the problems with those ribbons. I think you did a great job. I was very excited about it. Uh, let's get on with the rest of the show. Again, glad glad that you're here with us. We have so much to talk about, starting with a lot of things that happened in the week following Gen Con. Yeah. A lot of big news stories uh, in the news roundup. Here it comes. News roundup. How about that? That's how we start the news roundup. That's how I you know, know there was a jingle. And I'm really excited oh, about mm-hmm. it. Yep. Oh, get ready. Get ready. That's just the beginning. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's begin. This our first news item was actually broken on Twitter by last week's guest on the show, uh, Podfather of Gaming, as it were, Stephen Bonacore. And the news is this: Asmo Day, the board game corporate conglomerate, which owns a number of other smaller but still some pretty large companies which you know so asmodee has been through some things it has gone through a couple of different sales uh over the past few years and now it sounds like they are seeking to be sold again by their current uh owner pi partners that's pai and goldman sachs is reportedly trying to make this sale happen for a price they are negotiating at 2 billion euros. Hot dang. <laughs> As compared to the uh, last sale, uh, which was 1.2 billion. So pretty big jump there. Uh, to be clear, no sale is officially happening that we know of yet, but they are actively seeking that. And I think this is something that we had kind of expected we i mean we had seen it happen with them before where one company buys another company and then they uh, build them up in order to sell them off later at a profit uh and now we're looks like we're starting to see that in action kelsey i mean obviously this has pretty big anytime asmo day does something or is acquired by someone or whatever it is it has pretty big ramifications because they're just such a big part of the industry yeah what what do you what do you think about this sale i mean do you have good or bad feelings about it one I mean, way or the other i i'm i i reserve judgment until i see who it's i'm curious to see who the buyer is going to be yeah um, because a lot of that's going to depend on the buyer. I mean, Asmodee is a brilliant company with a huge, huge portfolio, right? Um, and sure. they, like everyone else in the industry right now, have been plagued by like shipping error, like not errors, but shipping problems and uh, paper shortages and everything else. And if they're still worth this much money, <laughs> considering <laughs> all the problems in our industry right now, that's crazy. Um, I'm yeah. really curious because I'm trying to think of who who just has a casual two billion euro that might be interested in in buying a, a huge board game company. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Will any any ideas or or off of that? Also, I'm wondering: is there anyone who you think you would be um, not scared of if they purchased Hasmo Day at this point? So, <laughs> I, I, the first thing I want to point out that in the like plenty of responses, the uh, Steve uh, Steve mm-hmm. Bonacar already said like um, Goldman Sachs wouldn't be here if they weren't. They didn't think they could do it. So it's probably going to happen. The weird thing is, and this partially just comes from my own pessimism, uh, or it will lead to that. This is, I almost feel like it's not going to be like, oh, I think Target's going to buy it or something. I think these are like, we're dealing with like, almost like black holes we never heard of. It's going to be some other special banking conglomerate, maybe like. Yeah, Probably. You know, Reigns Incorporate. I, I literally just took the energy drink in front of me, like making up a name, like something we have no idea. Like these are just such giant entities that are just so far out of our peripheral. Yeah, because you know most of us aren't swinging around a, a billion dollars here. At least, it, it, if you are listening and you are, we have a <laughs> Patreon. We would love to have your support. Yeah, if anyone wants to acquire us, just make us for an two offer. billion euro. Is that yeah? Right, we'll we'll go down for a billion. We're, we're right. fifty That's right. off. I think you guys That's are selling yourselves short here. But all right. Well, maybe we need to hire you as a <laughs> consultant. Uh, yeah, I mean the own. I think you're probably right. Like when I'm trying to think in my head of who. I who might be interested in purchasing them who isn't like you said just some unknown entity of mass money that just buys things out there though the like the first thing that came into my head and I don't even know if they actually do have this much money I imagine they do maybe is someone like Hasbro Hasbro um, does not have that money right now. Okay, they, they oh, yeah. Absolutely do not have that money right now. After, well, there after you go. The, the pandemic there's there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, Wizards have been doing better for them, but their other sales have not been as um I mean, it's not they're not dead, but yeah. Yeah. But I'm yeah, like I don't I don't know any other companies that are that are big enough and I think that's ultimately the concern of this for me is that it's going Asmodee will keep changing hands between these companies who and people who don't necessarily care about the well-being of the board game industry oh (laughs) yeah i can 90 percent ensure that whoever gets them (laughs) will at least the people there will there will no there will not be enough people in power at that organization who care like maybe there's one guy's like oh i play board games right the the other side of that though is that they Big organizations that are just built to make like business investments like this, all they want to do is have that company thrive because that's how they make money. And honestly, some of these board game companies can use that right now. It's just getting Mm. money pumped into them so they can then become better. Um, And also a lot of these investment companies have attachments to um, manufacturers in different regions that then they can access. So there are good sides to, to hooking up with these larger investment partners, assuming that they kind of just help them thrive and otherwise just let them run their business because they're the experts at it. It, it really depends on, on what kind of you know business partner ends up buying them. Yeah, and I do think what's more likely to happen for not for now would be no change. Like I think they're just going to be like, we bought you, keep making us money. Yeah. Um, 
there is mm. part of me that negative worry of like them sticking their fingers every now and then and be like, oh, you could do this for cheaper quality components or something. But I don't think they, they care too much about that just yet. Yeah, um, I, I suppose as long as the individuals heading up the Z-Man and Fantasy Flight and those smaller companies are are working, are more passionate than, yes, yeah, if there's one giant company kind of bankrolling it. Yeah. Uh, theoretically, it could work smoothly, as I guess it to some extent has. I'm sure people would argue differently depending on uh, who you are, but for the over the past few years. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think my, my my other question is, when does it stop? Is this does as is Asmodee going to keep getting bought and then built up more and then sold every few years? Or will is there ever going to be one? company who finally says okay we're asmodee now but i guess that's how the corporate world works like every yeah. everybody gets sold off endlessly yeah. <laughs> I, I think what would have happened eventually a price point and of course depending on what happens with everything in the world that i am not skilled enough to comment on um was if they felt like it was too expensive to sell like they couldn't get a price it would be that's when they start um cutting it up to pieces when they become the the disney of board games yeah, <laughs> yeah. I they I think I think that might have been ha happened already. I don't know. It depends on your definition. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's wild. It's wild, and uh, it, we'll see exactly how long it, it takes for them to find a buyer. And I'm sure we'll be reporting on it when when that happens. But uh, it's happening again. It is happening, <laughs> and we will we will just have to live with the fallout. Uh, now let's talk about role-playing. Let's talk about role-playing games, specifically Dungeons and Dragons. Now, there was recently a Future of D&D &D panel held online uh, through Dungeons and Dragons and Wizards of the Coast. And there's a particularly interesting snippet of it that we are going to talk about right now, where they mentioned that a future iteration of Dungeons and Dragons would be coming for the series 50th anniversary in the year 2024. So still, still a little bit of a ways off. Don't get too excited just yet. And they also did not officially mention uh, that this would be a sixth edition. Of course, right now we're currently on the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons. For anyone who doesn't know, it's an RPG. It's been around for a pretty long time. Uh, and uh, that, but th they did use the phrase uh, "core new core rule books," or and also said that was the next evolution of the game while also mentioning that it would be whatever um whatever form it takes would be compatible with stuff mm. from fifth edition still so it sounds like we may be getting that sixth edition in a couple of years so kelsey i i i wonder what what would you want to see from a dnd sixth edition and what do you what do you think this might be so I I am really biased for 5e because I think 5e is like the best addition to come out. Um, it's extremely playable. It's extremely friendly. It does not feel like super crunchy. Um, I, I love 5e. It is my favorite edition of D&D. Um, so the the concept of a six a six edition makes makes my tiny nerd heart like clench with fear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I had to guess, based on kind of where the industry overall is going, I would guess that they are going to do a return to like 1.0 style rule set because there is a big 
push right now to bring back like quote unquote old school style gaming and get that really crunchy rule set back again and play in the past. Mm-hmm. And I I would not be surprised if the next edition of D&D includes that kind of return to mechanics. What's interesting to me is that they say it's going to be completely compatible with 5e. <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if they're just making like it, it, that makes it sound like a 5.5 situation to me. Rather, yeah. Like that's what um, I was thinking when Nintendo first announced the uh, Nintendo DS, they were like, this is going to live alongside the Game Boy Advance line, the Game Boy line. But then as, once it was actually success, they were like, never mind. We're just we're doing Jokes this. On us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's like, a, oh, it'll be compatible just in case it somehow people don't like it we can like roll it back or something yeah i don't know it's a it's a very interesting way to phrase that and it's it's obviously very strategic so um, my thoughts on this is yeah. i think i'm, I'm leaning more towards the 5.5 because my idea is for because D definitely has exploded these last two years oh yeah it is way more popular and one of the very hard things to do is Let's say, for example, I'm newer and Jonathan isn't. We sit at a table and I go, I want to play a ranger. And Jonathan's like, oh, you should try this kind of ranger. I'm like, I didn't see that in the book. I'm like, oh, that was in Tasha's guide or something. Yeah. I could see a new player's handbook. They're like, they oh, re-added like like idea. the yeah. rules of the other mm. classes. The, um, the whole, I, forget, I don't think it actually has a name, but you know, the whole thing where like, uh, if you play a half orc now, you don't have to have this penalty or whatever, mm-hmm. um, like that kind of thing. Um, brought back like a more—I guess it's more of a compendium of for Almost players and DMs, like a revised edition, but not not strictly changing many of the core r- rules. Right, and that way it's still compatible. I know even for us, I would love that because I don't yeah. want to have to flip through multiple books. Uh, and of course, you can a- even add some new things in there as well, which we'll all enjoy. Maybe add the a new class or whatever. And for the DM's guide, maybe some new monsters. I and for all the people who want, like you, you said, the return to 1.0, there are still plenty of weird old monsters that haven't been brought back that would people would love to laugh at and see, you know, making a return. Yeah. So I think true. you could have a win-win, and maybe a weird collector's edition because. Um, you know, uh, Magic the Gathering just did their D and D set, and one of their promo card arts you could get in packs looked like very old, you know, you know, the not just drawings, not even the yeah. colored pictures. So if they did like an old version of a book that looked like that, I'm sure everyone would love to get that on their shelf. Yeah, I, it, I, that's a good point, though, of having like a new player's handbook, because like I so I live on D&D Beyond when I play D&D, <laughs> like it is my go to source just because all of the, the races are there, all of the classes are there, all of the sub classes are there and the feats and everything oh, yeah. and so it's like i don't have to dig through 20 different books and then like <laughs> critical role content and and non-core content and even just looking at the races i'm just looking at the race list right now in D beyond so many of these aren't in the core rule book anymore yeah. like they just released uh i don't even know how to pronounce it heron heron gone in the the latest um uh, mm. What is it called? Witch of the Wildlight, I think, is the, the oh, latest book. And we got those crystal dragons coming. Oh my god! Yeah, I love a dragon. I love a dragon. Um, <laughs> you're, but... in, you're you're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> but there are there's so much content for that now. And if you are not using, frankly, D and D Beyond, or if you own every book, every fifty dollar book, 
uh, you are not going to be really prepared to play D&D. Oh. Well, my ranger in the campaign, which is on pause right now, uh, like I forget what the name of it is. I I have a thing now where I get um a, a, dru a druid cantrips. Oh, cool! But I'm like, okay, what are they? Oh, so yeah. you know, looking it up. But then I have to be like, oh, but this is from this book, and because, like you said, Beyond lets you do that, which is great. But it would be really nice to have a, a new book that has everything. Yeah, I think that would just be really friendly. And yes. I know they'll add more things after that book. It's still a, a, another good jumping point that will keep people like, okay, I can get this one. And is it that bad that when did five E come out? Cause it was a while job. Yeah, so right? yeah. I've been looking at the timeline here actually, cause I was, I was curious about this myself. So um, a third edition came out in 2000 and fourth edition came out in 2008. So only, only eight years there. And then fifth edition was t uh, 2014. So whatever this new version is coming out, that will have been 10 years, which uh, is a longer gap than there was for the last few editions, at least. I didn't, it, I, I'm biased because I didn't like fourth. So I was well, really happy when fifth came out. I was like, thank God. Well, I think <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I think 5e just is a very solid system. Yeah. Right. Everyone's you know? happy with it. Why mess with success? And, <laughs> and like 10 years for a new, just a new player's book, even if it's not a sixth edition. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem too bad. That's not like they're they're nickel and diming us for a book. It's like, look, it's been ten years. Here's an upgraded one. Yeah. We, we've included everything up to then. It's. I think it's important too for for player approachability because like barrier of entry for D and D is pretty high. Not just from a um, book and and you know stuff standpoint, but also from just a knowledge standpoint. Like if you're jumping into D and D for the first time it kind of sucks <laughs> and, and having something that's more approachable for a new player and seems less arcane for somebody getting into tabletop RPGs for the first time would be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's still, even for me, it's not. And I've been yeah. looking at, you know, it's so I, I'd be more than happy. And just, it's also easier to, if you think like, they're like, hi, I'm new. I don't know what I want to do. And you can just give them one book instead of four. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, we still have a couple of years to wait, but may oh, maybe maybe not that long before they give us more details on what this will actually be. Uh, but it will be interesting, and I wonder, you know, even if it's not if it's not a full sixth edition, when that will come and what it will be, because uh, it's or if they'll just keep kind of uh, iterating and not maybe they'll stop thinking of it as editions and just do like you were saying and keep coming out with sort of smaller revisions if they're happy with where the system is right now. Uh, I don't know, uh, but we'll find out if they release more information on that. Now, we talked about Dungeons and Dragons, so now we're going to talk about the other big one, Pathfinder, but in a less fun capacity. <laughs> um, there has been some very messy stuff coming out of Paizo, the company that publishes Pathfinder as of late. I'll try to sum it up as best I can briefly. Uh, essentially... Uh, uh, someone named uh, Sarah Marie, who uh, worked with uh, customer relations uh, kind of thing, customer service uh, in Paizo, was fired from the company. Not really, uh, no reason was disclosed. I believe as, as of now, we still do not have an official reason. And then shortly after that, uh, another uh, customer service employee, Diego Valdez, announced that he was leaving the company of his own volition uh, in part because of this firing, which he felt was unjust and generally as a reaction to 
the uh, the atmosphere, the environment at Paizo, of which numerous other employees uh, came out in the following days talking about uh, some of the, explaining some of the situation and talking about their experiences, many of them negative, including one from Jessica Price, another former employee who had a very long thread with a lot of horror stories talking about things like the uh, not cleaning or vacuuming the building and it being so bad that people with allergies or asthma were struggling to breathe while they worked and the fight they had to go through in order to get that fixed. And uh, Jeff Alvarez, who is the president of Pathfinder and and, uh, also, of course, uh, and Paizo, and uh, who had been accused of some of this bad behavior in in these tweets, has made a couple of statements. He just put a new one out that stated that they are going to get a new cleaning team and they're going to have an independent organization do kind of a survey of the company and try to alleviate some of these problems. Uh, For a lot of people, the statement wasn't strong enough, but it it, it was he did make it. It was something that was put out there. So uh, there's there's a lot there and I didn't even cover some of the finer details. But Kelsey, you are uh, a community manager and you're also I know someone who, as we discussed earlier in the episode, passionate about uh, underrepresented people in the gaming space. What what is your take on this and what? to you is the maybe the what are some of the problems here and what are some of the things that could be done to alleviate this situation yeah i it's funny because looking at this it just was a huge reflection of what's happening with blizzard and activision oh yeah yeah it it feels very much the same which to me is interesting because it means that i i think that somebody or maybe many people internally at paizo saw what was happening at um blizzard and said, you know, we could do that too. And and we can have accountability at our company, which to me is powerful and, and says a lot for, for what um, the ABK employees are doing. But as far as Paizo goes, like I, it, it's tough because I don't know a ton about Paizo's internals, right? Like I, I can only guess. Um, and I did, it did meet Jeff over the weekend at Gen Con and he, he seemed very tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I, I I am not surprised, but as far as so generally speaking, my modus operandi when it comes to situation like these is from a community management point, transparency is king, and and just being transparent as possible with what your employees are saying and feeling, and making sure that they feel listened to, not just heard, but like actually listened to. And creating feedback loops that people feel comfortable using. Because a lot of companies say like, oh, we have an open door policy. And it's like, that doesn't mean anything. You can have an open door, but what is making that employee to feel safe to walk in um, and actually talk about what the problems are? Mm -hmm. And I hope that people talking about this publicly is going to help Paizo figure out what is going to make their employees feel more comfortable because it's obvious that some of them don't. Um, and that is going to be like the next big thing, right? It's just seeing, so, you know, Jeff put out the statement about what he's going to do next and what his plans are and what he's passionate about and what he believes in and what he, what he has done so far. And 
from here on out, it's just about making sure that actually happens. And also, if the employees have anything they feel is not happening or they feel is unaccounted for, to speak that publicly so we can continue that level of accountability. Um, because a lot of these situations are are often about a lack of trust between upper management and lower uh, lower management and then your your all of your employees and rebuilding that trust is hard um, it's hard work and it is actual work and it requires some really raw honest conversations which nobody likes doing <laughs> <laughs> um, but to me it is also telling that these employees are willing to do so because I believe strongly in being critical about the things that you care about um, and if they're being critical about Paizo, it's because they care um, about their work. They care about what the product they're putting out. And they care enough that they want to see things change. And I believe that's probably true of the employees that left, too. And I don't know the specifics about any of this. Um, but there's enough yellow flags that, I, you know, I hope that Paizo is able to really self-examine and these employees are able to give them feedback on what they can do better. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree what you said about transparency. I feel like numerous times we have come across things in, in the board game industry, like just on the show and both Will and I have said like so many, so much backlash could be avoided if they had just come out with what was happening and just been honest and upfront about the situation and that, you know, people, they try to damage control. Mm. And uh, I think one of the, one of the things that I noticed that I feel like is something about these, the statements Jeff put out, as you said about, you know, honest conversations and culpability. Uh, one thing I noticed is that I don't believe anywhere in here is there ever anything like an apology or any kind of admittance of, of, that at least that he is personally responsible for any of this. I think maybe that's part of the, I don't know. I feel like the reaction hasn't been as strong to these because it, it doesn't feel like he's really saying, yes, we're doing bad. things." It's about, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do this, but I haven't seen anyone say really, yes, these things that people have said are true. These things are bad. Yeah. I think that's the biggest issue I see with these. I have to wonder if some of that is legal though, because mm. there is a sense that if you, you, you know, put some of these things on the internet and you apologize that there could also be legal ramifications. And a lot of these companies can get into weird murky legal water with that stuff, which isn't an excuse to me. It is, it is a, a reason to say like, you know, I am making this statement with like, you know, precautions for any legal matters. Like the, to me, that's more reason to be transparent, right? It's like, I'm saying and doing these things and phrasing these in a specific way because mm. of, of legal advisement or whatever. But generally speaking, that's why we don't see apologies in these kinds of situations is, is fear of legal ramification. That makes sense. And when you're, you're a company as big as Paizo, I imagine they have a couple of lawyers who helped draft this up. <laughs> I, I would think so, but I, I you know, I, I really don't know. And I, I and I could be totally wrong too. But and again, that's not an excuse for not apologizing, I think, because you know, the it, it's a weird balance between legal needs and human needs. And I tend to err on the side of human needs as a, as a person mm -hmm. in power. 
but I understand that not everyone can do that. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't want to. I don't want to cut excuses for anybody for their uh, behavior. But I. I also yeah. kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah. We we live in a dystopian hellscape. Ooh. Will, what do you think about all this? It. I'm. I think there's going to be more to come out. But yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe. Uh, not believe. Wow. Uh, I. Same thing crossed my mind before uh, you started in the beginning of like Blizzard came to mind with this. Mm-hmm. And I wonder part of him is like, well, maybe now we're happy that we're not as big as video games right now. <laughs> um, right. And, and it's just some of the st- stuff is it's very top down. I think as you uh, in the whole um, I think it was uh, whose Twitter thread was it uh, Jessica's, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like talks a lot about the previous owners and their attitude. And I don't know how big the literally the physical Paizo place is. I wonder how much they interact with each other because I'm going on just the the story they brought up with the cleaning. You think it's not even just you think you have a little pride in your place. Right. I mean, let me tell you some horror stories about Hasbro, man. The Hasbro (laughs) office. Oh, Oh, boy. boy. Uh, So that didn't like when I read that specific piece, it didn't surprise me. I was like, ah, yes, I remember those days. Like from when I worked at Hasbro, same thing, same thing. (laughs) Well, I guess I'm completely off base then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I, I believe it. Uh, Yeah, you know, it's just the whole thing along with, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. Uh, there was all the allegations and the sexual assaults uh, from the Broken Token CEO, and it just really drives home to me how much these 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 gaming companies. So we just go about our lives thinking, "Oh, it must be fun to work there." They put out a fun game; everything's cool, and you just have no idea sometimes, unfortunately, how the there just can be all these behind the scenes this turmoil happening but i i do i think with stuff like this with stuff like as you said like blizzard i do think it's helpful it's great that people are coming forward and talking about it because that is that's the first thing you have to do otherwise nothing's ever going to change yeah uh, i think it's important to to remember that this industry is built off of a, a predominantly male game base and male hierarchy and male business structure. And because of that, um, women and people of color and uh, trans and LGBTQ folks who are coming to this industry are at a disadvantage, both in their ability to talk about what's happening and also just the structures that are in place. Um, And so there's going to be a lot of this, I think, um, in the next five years, 10 years, as we really rebuild these companies and help them realize their mistakes from the ground up. Um, And it's important work um, in order to make people feel like they can work in this industry and to make it more accessible to folks that are traditionally not welcome in these spaces, both as employees and players. Um, So I'm glad it's happening. (laughs) but it still sucks (laughs) yeah it really is that thing that where it's you wish it didn't have to happen but since it is happening it 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 kind of feels good but then you're like oh but why does it feel good that's bad (laughs) um yeah but i think you are right i definitely think we're gonna see more of this i don't by any stretch i don't think this is the last horror story we're gonna hear unfortunately uh, but we'll we'll see going forward if their their internal surveys and restructuring and rehirings and all these things hopefully they have an impact and hopefully they they are going to commit to it and actually you know put their hearts where they say they are. All right, so 
there's our serious real news stuff. We will end the news section with some frivolous fun game announcements. Uh, there's a handful of games that caught my attention that were announced in the past couple of weeks. Rather than run through uh, all of them in depth, I thought, Kelsey, maybe if you want to, are, are there a couple, one or two games on this list that maybe are just of particular interest to you that you'd be excited about or interested in discussing. Yeah. And I will get that right off the bat. The Blade Runner RPG. Oh, yeah. uh, I, I like screamed at my um, monitor <laughs> when I saw that announced. <laughs> um, it's so I'm like a huge Shadowrun fan. I think Shadowrun is like a like, beautiful setting and to see uh, like a Blade Runner role-playing game, which to me kind of fits in that same demographic uh feels oh so spicy and so good and uh free league makes great systems and great games uh, i i played a couple games of aliens um oh yeah on gen con tv and then once i realized i loved it i just played it in life um and i think they were going to do a great job of this and I am shocked no one has put out a Blade Runner RPG before, actually. It seems right. like a, a, a knockout right off the bat. Or a, is there a board game either? I, mean, I don't know. Google. There, may, there might have been one like... To Google. <laughs> maybe somewhere there was, but there's certainly not a... There is a Blade Runner board game. Okay, I feel like the same way that Dune has had a board game renaissance, we should have seen with the Blade Runner sequel. There, they should have done oh, that was. same thing. There was, it, there, yeah, oh. there was one that came out uh, by WizKids um, okay. this past when when the new Blade Runner oh, movie came that out. That sounds kind of familiar. Okay. I was, I was about was to say that's not the Blade game? Runner. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the Blade Runner board game I found is from 1982, and oh, <laughs> hey, not that one. <laughs> and oh boy, does it look like the kind of game we love. <laughs> Uh, it's Monopoly with a Blade Runner skin. Um, oh yeah, but so the so Blade Runner RPG, I, yeah, also definitely the one I think I'm most excited for. It takes place in 2037. So I guess, when was the new one? Is that 20... 2049? 49. There you go. So in between the two movies. Ooh, prequel-ish. Yeah, right. <laughs> kind of. And yeah, it sounds really interesting. You're going to be using the Year Zero engine that a lot of their games use. We also love the Alien RPG. So, so good. Yeah, I mean, oh, why not? Yeah. Another you get another Ridley Scott property, make it work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Will? Blade Runner. I, I'm assuming you're excited for, but anything else? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like I said, the the Blade Runner one. Um, you know, I now I got to click through all of them now. To my <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Well, we can keep on. You know, in terms of licenses, I'll just run through a couple. There's there's the Far Cry game coming I'm from Fun Forge. Kind Fun-Forge. of excited about Far Cry because Far Cry is is one of my preferred video games oh uh, good because i have no experience with it so i'd love to hear your take <laughs> I, I i like it as far as like third like over the person over shoulder over the person shooters oh my god over the shoulder shooters. <laughs> um i've always enjoyed far cry um i have to wonder i have to wonder how they're what they're going to use for a system is this going to be yeah this is an rpg right i think it's a board game. oh is it a board game that's okay. what I believe, yeah. Then I'm really confused about what it would be like as a board game. Yeah, they call it a tabletop game. Okay, well, mystery unknown. Uh, <laughs> I, I, the thing I love about Far Cry is it's it's visually compelling as a game. So if it's visually compelling as a, a board game, that'd be cool. But I'm really, yeah. And there's a lot of different, like... 
different some of the games have different time periods and stuff yeah. right and then there's and it's a kind of a sandboxy kind of a game it's yeah it's very kind of like a bethesda game in, in that sense mm. um but it's still i mean it's really good what was the most recent one that came out uh, oh, Blood Dragon was not the most recent one, but that was my favorite. And it was very, like, synth wavy. Oh, yeah. I was like, wasn't that the... Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I was, oh, my God. That was 2013. Aren't, aren't they coming out with <laughs> oh, one? Oh, uh, No, isn't... Is it six, I think, that's coming out now? Like, that it has uh, right. the guy from Breaking Bad. I <laughs> think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, I would love... Maybe this is just me in the same vein that I love, you know, Blade Runner and Shadowrun, but, like, a Far Cry 3-based, like... Because Synthwave is very big right now, um, and that kind of aesthetic is still very big. I could see them putting out a Far Cry 3 game and it just uh, being very shiny and pretty for me to look at, which I'm into. I mean, the logo itself, the the Far Cry Beyond look, it doesn't have like a, look, it's trees. And, I mean, it's got yeah. this weird sun. So I imagine, yeah, bright neon colors at the least. Give me the yeah. neon, man. <laughs> and I could still see there being like maybe like, soft rpg elements in there because i mean we've seen that with board games before maybe mm. like you can increase your your move your cube up to increase stats or something <laughs> but uh like jonathan i don't have too much familiarity with the game so i can't think of too much what what they could do uh we'll have to wait and see when we actually have more actually on the table yeah 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 uh they also we've got an announcement of a new dominion expansion called allies so that seems. I guess they're going to just keep making Dominion expansions forever. <laughs> That's never going to end, and you'll never have a storage system big enough for them. Jonathan, we we we've got, we collect the Cerberus deck building system and Legendary. There is no <laughs> ending for those. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. But 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 Dominion boxes. I mean, those have characters to base on. Dominion, they just got to keep making up more like farm animals or whatever it is. You know, <laughs> it's, it's more impressive to me. Uh, I also wanted to touch on Ticket to Ride announced uh, that they're selling, I think it's for pre-order right now, a set of pink trains that you can just use in any game. It's just a little collection for you to change out of color in a regular Ticket to Ride game. Uh, but the profits of it are going to a Breast Cancer Research Foundation, which is a pretty cool thing. For them to do yeah so i <laughs> this is a knee-jerk thing for me normally when i see companies donating to breast cancer foundations my immediate uh instinct is to get very cagey because i've seen so many of companies support just really awful breast cancer foundations that mm. most of the programming is going into paying themselves and not into like actually helping human beings at all and uh, mm. Breast Cancer Research Foundation is one of the few breast cancer, like larger breast cancer charities that actually has a fairly good rating. And most of their money actually goes to programming and research and not oh, just good. into their own pockets. Because like when I saw they were doing a pink set, I was like, I'm ready to get mad. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> uh, and I was pleasantly surprised to see that they are actually doing a, a decent org oh man there are so many i i could talk about breast cancer research foundations forever so we're not going to get into that but like <laughs> they picked a good one good well i'm very glad you're on here to to give us that insight and yeah <laughs> i think i mean always always healthy to be skeptical of a company that is says they're doing something good yeah <laughs> uh but yeah that's that's well, good to hear Mm -hmm. Yeah, And uh, hopefully, I think also sometimes maybe they just don't even do the research. So maybe they actually right. are like, let's actually see who actually does this, the, yeah. the, the research on breast cancer. So 
Someone actually did a Google search. <laughs> one Google. They did one Goog. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes sometimes. Ah, uh, there's there's a new uh, Undaunted game in the from that World War II series that I also haven't played, but I know people are real excited about it. They like that series. Uh, I don't uh, know anything about that one. All I know is that so one of our game. Uh, so we have a couple different shows on Gen Con TV, and one of them is um, this game gets dicey, and they are playing digital games together over the Atlantic Ocean. One of them is in London and one of them's in uh, uh, the US. And they play Undaunted a lot and they really mm. like it. And that is my my full understanding of Undaunted. <laughs> uh, well, that's uh, more than we have. So it's good to, good to hear people enjoy it. Uh, we're professionals, folks. Mm-hmm. And and then there's, there's this other game I just had heard buzz about. It's, there, it's being released called Get On Board New York and London. Maybe they could play this one. It'd be somewhat thematic. Oh, the art is cute. Uh, yeah, I think it's a uh, uh, it's a reimplementation of a Japanese game called Let's Make a Bus Route uh, that oh. apparently people really like. So, um, wow, the board art on this is really cool. It's very retro. It. Yeah, can, yeah. Can we just appreciate a board game called Get on Board? <laughs> uh, I missed that. Wow, I'm <laughs> uh, it flew over my head as well. Oh, uh, so there's some cool, fun announcements for you, and that's our news roundup this week. Next, we will talk about games coming out sometime in the future, maybe, hopefully, depending on the shipping situation. In Kickstarter, Pickstarter. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one, Kickstarter, Pickstarter keeping it strong with the fun fun jingles so uh we are each going to highlight a project somewhere someplace in the world of crowdfunding kelsey is there something on kickstarter maybe that you have been excited about that you're backing or you're looking at so there are two things on here that i'm very excited about and the first one i'm going to shout out is critical care um critical care was uh designed by uh a, a fantastic human being named omari uh who is also the president of the indie um Board Game Designers Network. Uh, he is a, a great designer and a great human being. Uh, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. But he, this this Kickstarter, I was so pumped when he came out with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am still excited for it. I backed it like the first day it was out. <laughs> <laughs> because the, the concept like didn't catch me. But then when I saw the actual place of it, I was like, okay, this actually looks extremely fun. And the design is extremely well done. Um, and it is worth taking a look at. Uh, basically, the, the whole premise is that you're using medical procedures to treat patients and save lives. It's a cooperative game. And it's very like empathetic and, and very compassionate instead of just like detached, which I appreciate. Um mm-hmm. And it looks really fun. Uh, so if you have a chance, uh, check it out. And also just honestly check out Amari because a lot of the stuff he works on is, is very good. Uh, he just renamed his company, but it, it used to be Board Game Brothers. Um, I don't remember then what they renamed it to. But um, they put out like Hoop Gods, which I'm also a big fan of, um, and a couple other games. And the other thing I'm very excited about on here is Artisans of Splendid Vale. Um, Mm -hmm. which looks so good. (laughs) Um, I got to, they had a, all the, the setup and pieces for this at Gen Con. 
um, which is very funny because I went over to the Renegade booth specifically to buy a game that I never bought because I got distracted looking at Artisans of Splendid Vale. <laughs> and then like a week later, once I got home, I was like, oh yeah, I was going to go, I was going to buy the new version of Love Letters and I just didn't. And instead just stared at our Artisans of Splendid Vale. And this game looks incredible. Um, the art is gorgeous. The play style looks very, very cool. It's a, a huge co-op game, which I'm a big fan of. Um, it is being produced and made by folks that are um, BIPOC or LGBTQ or both. Uh, it features characters that are extremely diverse and it's not just diversity for diversity's sakes. Like they're actually um, built into the mechanics as well. Um, like one of the characters has a, a therapy or a service dog that actually is a, a part of the game world, which is super cool. Um I love it. I love the art. I love the characters. I love the gameplay style. I backed it to its ultimate penultimate level um, (laughs) because also some of the backing options are so good. Oh my God. They have like these beautiful uh, little meeples that look amazing. Uh, And they also have these plushies that look real good. Um, and I'm very excited to see this game get launched. I mean, Renegade puts out great games to begin with. Um, like Vampire Rivals was a big one from last year that our, our team was getting pretty hype on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited to see this one come out. I wonder if they're going to do a digital version. That would be cool. Hmm. Yeah, it's certainly it's got a lot of narrative thematic elements that might lend itself to mm. that. Uh, I, I got to imagine, Will, this was on your radar somewhere. Artisans of yeah, uh, I mean, I remember seeing it at Gen Con, so I was like, oh, what is this? So you know, funny. It's got a so, great look to it. I mean, it looks like the kind of thing that I'm a suck. There are many things I'm sucking for. Big, heavy story narrative cooperative campaign mm-hmm. with a <laughs> book as a board. Yeah, I'm in. Oh, yeah. I can play as a character with a dog? Oh. Yes, you oh. can. Look at that dog's face. It's so powerful. Yeah. And also, like, as you said, just as a contrast to so many things out there right now, I love that the setting of this game is just we live in a utopia. We're all happy. Everything's colorful. We're having fun. We have struggles and quests we need to complete, but it just feels so optimistic, uh, which is nice. The nerve of them not having a dark overtone. <laughs> and from and from Nikki Valens, a, a great designer. Nikki Valens is awesome. Nikki I Valens mean, does good work. Yeah, absolutely. So it's yes, this is definitely one to look at. So two two great picks to to recap: Critical Care, which you can back for thirty nine dollars, and uh, Artisans of Splendent Vale, which goes for ninety nine dollars. Bit meatier, bit of a bigger game on Kickstarter. Uh so I'm yes, I'm interested in both of those as well. Will, do you have a different pick that you could throw at us? I do have a different pick, but I'm happy that one was mentioned. Very much so. Uh, it was my on pick, my short list for sure. I was like, we're bringing that yes. up. <laughs> yeah, uh, is Voidfall, which actually mm. like just came out very recently. Uh, mm. One of the things I don't know, depending on when recording, we might have missed it. But this is actually a 4x game. But what I like about it is it has. A, your regular competitive mode, but it also has a cooperative mode and a solo player mode. Hmm. And with basically, like, it, it, they ha- lay out all the components, but even with everything laid out, I'm like, this still looks smaller than most other 4Xs as well. So it actually is like, this probably won't require two tables worth. <laughs> <laughs> but the actual premise of the game 
is the story is I almost want to say dark version destiny. A, a weird force reached out to us. It was like, here, let us help you expand. And obviously it turns out they are more of a corrupting force. So throughout the game, whether you're playing the competitive, obviously in the cooperative mode, you are not only fighting the other people at the table, but you have to deal with this entity, which you're now like, mm, you're not good. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> so I think it adds a, a, I like this idea of the NPC, the non-player entity in these 4X games. We played only one other game I could think of that has a similar concept, which, of course, I should have looked up before this podcast. Um, because I feel like it's not simply just, oh, if you if we've played any of these games, whether it's something like, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of, uh, wow. Like Eclipse? Age of Empire. Yeah, Eclipse, Civilization. Like, okay. I'm even thinking video game versions. You know, there's always that one player you're always like, all right. Yeah, they're gonna run amok. <laughs> the I love these because these NPCs usually put people in check. They do a pretty good job of being like, oh, we can't forget about that. Just because there isn't a brain behind it yeah. doesn't mean it's not about to just take us down. And the fact that it has such a huge option of solo, cooperative, or competitive, I think, can make it much better. Because if you do want to get someone to 4x, if you drop. Twilight Imperium on the table, it's going to scare people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but if you bring this and you're like, everyone, I can we can play a cooperative game first. So you don't have to feel bad that I know the rules. You're um, more likely to get people to want to play again than like, okay, I'll try competitive. Yeah, because like just looking at the I've never played, you know, Void I, I obviously haven't played Voidfall, it just came out. <laughs> but um I've never played any of its like predecessors or any 4X game. But just I just opened it up and looking at the amount of components, I was like, oh, no, like it, it, <laughs> right. it immediately looks overwhelming. But the idea of doing it as a co-op game first is really cool. Wow, this is on Tabletop Simulator. I can't imagine a game that this has this many components on Tabletop Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Flip that table. That'll be fun. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it looks. Yeah, 4X games uh, intimidate me for sure. But this does look it, it has a it has a nice hint of the the color we were talking about earlier yeah, it's very pretty it is yeah. very very pretty i don't know who designed the box art but they should they get a high five because it's very good <laughs> and of course just quick notion on those very nice look at the components and i mean we're starting to see it a lot more that i don't think it needs to be said as much but still double layered boards we can slide things in instead mm. of just mm. you know flimsy piece you uh, always something i enjoy especially something like when you have a lot of components because uh, that was actually one of the big problems is we've said many times and many people have with terraforming Mars. So you just need someone to tap the table and <laughs> there goes your resource count. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this one right now, there's of course many different pledge levels, but you can start with the standard box at around $88. It is a Forex game with a lot of pieces, but still, uh, Look, I mean, to me, it looks smaller $88 than dollars seems pretty good, honestly, for the amount of, play style and pieces you're getting like it looks like some of the upgraded pieces are, are um really worth it honestly but uh even just the base game looks very much worth uh 88 american dollars yes <laughs> yeah i like that it says for the playtime max 240 minutes oh they're not they could be less that's the that's the limit that's what they're letting you know Hold on, i have to translate that into, into four hours okay that's not yeah. bad that's not bad all right yeah there is actually a, a clock 
when the four hour mark hits, they call you and be like, <laughs> you are done. <laughs> you get no longer. Nope. This game is over. Weird. You all lose. Uh, uh, well, actually, you know what? Maybe that's a thing. Maybe the void always wins if you go over four, which I sort of like. I kind of like that too. Yeah. It's sort of like, you look, if you're hitting that mark, you, you're, you're like you're, three hours, and 30 minutes in, everyone's going to have to start sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. We'll institute that. Uh, all right. So that, again, that is Voidfall. Uh, my pick, I think I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to have to talk about the stuff of legend, the board game. And I think it's interesting that uh, Nikki Valens, who uh, to me, you know, I'll always know for uh, Mansions of Madness, uh, ha- is doing their own project now uh, with Renegade. And also at the same time on Kickstarter, we have this game from Kevin Wilson, who worked on stuff like Arkham Horror and Descent. So it's interesting to see these like former Fantasy Flight people go out into the world right now and do do their own things with different people. The Stuff of Legend is based on a comic series that I have no familiarity with. Uh, but it, I, the premise, it sounds like, is a, a little boy is being captured by the boogeyman and it's up to his... T- friendly toys to come together to save him but it's got a very weird um kind of a slightly dark art style uh i don't i i hate to say i feel like i do this too much let's call it tim burtony but i just it's just the easiest go-to <laughs> word to describe something or even maybe like a neil gaiman kind of a vibe to it i get yeah um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the the it's a cooperative game where you are playing as the different toys, and you're trying to find the path that leads to the boy to save him. So you have to navigate the board in different areas to narrow it down and uh, find different exits and figure out which one is the correct one to take while you're fighting enemies and these things along the way. And there is also a hidden traitor element in this one, which is interesting because one person could be secretly working for the boogeyman. So not only is there that, but also your allegiance could change. So you might swap cards and now you're not working for them and someone else is. I don't know exactly how that works in practice, but uh, it's interesting. Uh, So it, it looks like a a big game, uh, a big co-op game with a lot of minis and heavy on the thematic Ameritrash kind of elements. Uh, as I said, not familiar with the theme, but I think just for the designer's pedigree and the review quotes I see that seem pretty positive, it seemed worth looking at. Yeah, I remember seeing this at Gen Con um, and the art style really kind of flagged me across the um, exhibit hall, which is telling because there's 8 million games there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the art style for this is really unique and different for a board game, which I thought was very cool. Yeah, yeah. Might have to check out the comic. I don't know if people think it's good. Uh, so that's the Stuff of Legend, uh, which is $70 for the retail edition. Of course, like with everything, there's also more pledge levels. Also thought I'd quite quickly mention another one that I thought was interesting called Beast. Uh, which is a hidden movement game. And uh, in this one, uh, every, like a lot of hidden movement games, one player is the beast and they're secretly moving around a board and the other players are hunters trying to track them down. Um, but it sounded like it had some cool twists to it. There's some there's some a drafting element. Players are playing cards for their movement as well as a card to hunt in an area if they think that the beast is there so they have to be careful conserving that if knowing they want to use it at the right time and the beast will sometimes have to like surface to uh, kill an animal or maybe attack a hunter so that'll give you clues as to where they are there's also an upgrade system as the game goes on you'll be getting new powers 
uh, and there's different beasts. So you can you can choose different beasts that will have different abilities. I'm a big fan of these kinds of hidden movement games. So this one looked pretty cool. Wow, the art style on this too is also really pretty. And art, they've we figured it out. I think there's a lot of really good board game art out there these days. Yeah, uh, that makes wow, these things very cool, tantalizing. Uh, yeah, and, and some of these too are because we last week didn't really talk about Kickstarters, so there's. <laughs> There's been a lot of stuff <laughs> happening. There's a lot to cover last week, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that's Beast. This one goes for about 59 US dollars. Okay. All right. If we're done with Kickstarters, then we will move on into games we've been playing in real life in, what's it called? Table Talk. Here it comes. I don't know if I can Table Talk. Table Talk. Table Talk. Our longest and most popular bumper. Uh, so let's talk about games that we have been playing. Kelsey, in the last week or two, any games that you've been having fun with? I, I I don't know if you had time to play anything actually at Gen Con, but maybe before or after, something you want to talk about. Yeah, I didn't have time to play anything at... Actually, that's a lie. I played one game at Gen Con, and that was <laughs> Finger Guns, um, <laughs> which is a great party game. Fantastic party game where basically uh everyone at the table um you're all cowboys and based on what shape you make with your fingers and who you're pointing them at um you either harm each other or save each other or build alliances or become a ghost if you die and if even if you die and become a ghost you can still kill people it's very quick and very fun uh and i i deeply enjoyed that that was the only thing i got to play at gen con other than that the only thing i got to do is an escape room which was excellent um it's first time i ever did an escape room in indianapolis like a local yeah uh there's one like a block up the up the road from gen con and they're actually in the event system like they you just walk over there and do the event Uh. and it was real 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 cool i i enjoyed it quite a bit uh we actually went back again on monday to do a second one um and because the first one we failed miserably and we were like well that can't be right and so we went back again and we did succeed the second time with three minutes left um but since gen con i actually uh, am in a D game again for the first time in a couple of years uh, and I'm very excited about it because most of the time when I'm in these sort of situations, I end up DMing or GMing, and it's very rare that I get to be a player. Um, and I normally make like uh, I really like warlocks and I really like um, bards. And I was like, I want to be a, a no thought strong boy, and so <laughs> I just made a uh, very very big dumb himbo uh, man. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to just have to think about fighters stats and not spells, um, which is going to be, uh, very exciting. So we just had our session zero, uh, last week and this week is our first session and it sounds like it's going to be very like dark fantasy ish, which is my jam. And, uh, my friend who's running it, who, uh, is also an incredible artist and who I have hired many, many times, uh, has been like like drawing out all the maps and the character art and stuff and i'm already pretty hype on it and i use a the new source book that just came out for DD last week was my inspiration for this character um i'm a huge role play junkie in general like i don't know if you guys know this but before i i got into tabletop games i, I professionally ran larps for a living <laughs> so mm-hmm. i am a huge rp junkie and so my inspiration for this character came from the new uh which the wildlight book which you 
one of the new backgrounds is that as a child, you get kidnapped or got lost and ended up in the Fae Plains and came back, uh, you know, whatever predetermined amount of time you decide. And you just have no memory of those experiences, but they just kind of like quietly haunt you in some way, um, hmm. which I thought was real cool for a background and felt very um, like hook, like Peter Pan ish to me, um, which yeah. I dig a lot. Uh, so that's kind of what I've been been prepping for. I will say that I did. Here's the thing I did not know about Gen Con <laughs> um, is that if you are a captain uh, or you are a staff member of Gen Con, publishers donate games to basically get uh, priority points for the exhibit hall, which allows them access to different um, uh, areas. Hmm. to set up their booth. And so they donate games to us. And then we then give those games to our captains as like a thank you in addition to us paying them and everything else. And so I didn't know I would just be coming back from Gen Con with a pile of games. Like I, <laughs> I did not realize that was part of the experience. And so I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to buy these certain games and I know I can pack them in my bag and everything will be fine. And then I walked home. I know I walked to my hotel room on Sunday carrying like, three Ikea bags filled with games. And I was like, Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So I have, I have quite a stack of games that uh, I, I need to play. And a few that I bought before Gen Con, like wingspan that I haven't gotten a chance to play yet that I really want to. Um, So I'm hoping I can meet with my, my gaming group here this week to play some, some board games uh, but mostly, yeah, it's just been D and D. It's just been preparing for D and D and getting ready for my next campaign that I'm going to be GMing. Cool. So you haven't done an actual session yet, but you're you're doing all the prep work right now. Is that right? Yeah. So we we did like the character connections. We did all like the talked about our backgrounds a little bit. Kind of figured out how we all knew each other and what the world was going to be like. And um, uh, one of the things that I'm a, a big uh, supporter of with tabletop games is is setting uh, up safety protocols and safety systems for players just to make sure you never brush into content that is going to um, be harmful for somebody so setting up those parameters and things like x cards and, and yellow cards if you're familiar with those systems that help oh yeah yeah um spare players potential harm but our first actual session is this saturday at 3 p.m and i am very excited (laughs) awesome that's that's really cool now i'm curious you're you said you're also prepping a campaign that you're gming yeah um is that uh, a world of your own design or are you doing one of some existing adventure so it is a world it is a homebrew world and it's actually very interesting so you're familiar with um the Quiet Year. I am not. So The Quiet Year is a co-op storytelling slash map building game. Um, and what you're doing is basically you take a, a literal blank page and uh, you work together to to build this society uh, through four seasons, through a full year, preparing for some disastrous event. And it is not intended to be, it's intended to be a standalone game. And it's it's very cool if you ever get a chance. It is on Roll20, but I actually found the physical version at um, Gen Con. So I snapped that up while I was there too. Um, but I use it to build worlds for my campaigns. And uh, so last, I think last, like maybe three or two, three months ago, I, me and my friends played 
a session of the quiet year that was intended to be used for a, a longstanding campaign that I'll be running. And the setting is uh, a, basically a world of, of gods that were building a real world and what it would look like. And the kind of penultimate event that was going to happen at the end is all these gods knew that they were going to die and lose their powers. Um, like a Ragnarok so, event kind of. Yeah. And so, so what would the shape of this world be before they die? Um, and so the players built this, this whole space for me and, and I like using it because it really la- allows players to put an imprint on the world that they will then play in. Um, and so the campaign I'm running is based in that same world about three generations out. And what's happening now is that, individuals are starting to awaken like these dead gods are starting to awaken in people um and it is now kind of a a race to see if they will be captured or killed because their whole lives they've been told that there are no gods that they are a self-made society Hmm. um and discovering that there are gods and they are among you um is is a catalyst for this game and the whole campaign is being run on my absolute number one favorite system of all time <laughs> this is uh which is the q system which more people need to play if they enjoy role play um the q system is by jeff barber who did blue planet um it is a, a fantastic system if you have like a high role play group um because what it does is you don't use dice you use a deck of cards and you compete with each other and compete with the DM using this deck of cards. And you're just constantly raising the stakes of scenarios with each other. Um, hmm. And so if you have a group that's really comfortable with with playing around with, with narrative and yes, anding each other, it is the best system for that. Um, and the tension you get when you're drawing cards blind to face each other off and see who will win a scenario feels so good. <laughs> uh, I love the Q system. I wish there was a way I could, I could do it digitally that still had that same level of tension as in person. I've been trying to figure out how I can stream it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm prepping for right now. I'm probably not going to be able to run it for another month, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. I mean, that setting uh, sounds incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just hearing all this and just, of course, it makes me very jealous because I want to do everything. And in particular, RPGs are definitely uh, a weak spot in my playing session. Like, we've had the one D&D, but like you mentioned before, like, I want to do a Shadowrun campaign mm-hmm. sometime. You know, like, I didn't know about this QC. I'm looking like, oh, this looks pretty cool. So it's just <laughs> all this stuff. I love now, the Q system. I'm a junkie. You card. said you, play, you played a lot of Warlocks? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I, I, I want to tell you my – this is a character I've had in mind if I ever come back for a Warlock character and what you think of it since you've actually read Warlocks and know <laughs> actually how they work. Yeah. So the idea is this character – you know, usually Warlock you choose a – is it patron the word? Yeah, yeah. A lot of the uh, – so a lot someone, of the backgrounds have patrons. Not all of them yes. now, though. The idea behind this Warlock is they're actually been passed on. Like the, the like, no one actually wants this person, so they're like traded from a fae to a demon to an angel. Like, so that I don't know how it worked mechanically, but the whole idea is that they're almost just like, they're, I don't know what's happening. Warlock. They're an absolute yeah. trash warlock. I love that. That's so good. Cool. Okay, good. So that doesn't. <laughs> no, no, that's a very cool idea, and I love the idea of like garbage warlock. Who's just like even a patron's like, mm, 
nah, I'll pass, man. But they're also very positive. Like, I imagine the characters, like, they're almost like the, I'm trying to think of a what the stereotype would be like. They're always ha- happy-go-lucky, even though yeah. no one, that's they're, they're not good. Eeyore. That's very, very good, and I think you should do that. If I ever get the chance, I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll make that happen. Uh, is the Q system, is that the letter Q? Yeah. Or, okay, letter Q. So yeah. you might have a better chance for Googling it. Um, if you look for Upwind RPG, the, this is a, Upwind was the game that the Q system was originally demoed for. Um, and he, and the Q system is like the kind of, it's built off the Q system, but he put out Upwind. He didn't put out the Q system. Uh, so right. a lot of players, what they have done, at least in my group, is we've just harvested the Q system from Upwind and now just use it outside of that setting. Um, Got it. Upwind is a very cool game. Upwind is is like a, how would I describe it? Like kind of like fantasy, fantasy steampunky uh, there's like airships and uh, hmm. it, it's it's very cool. And if you haven't played with the Q system at all, like there's a free adventure you can uh, uh, download. And it is, I, I, I know everyone gets on Jeff Barber for biohazard games for Blue Planet, which is, don't get me wrong, absolutely amazing. But like, oh, I love, I love the Q system. I, I tell him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm glad you're on the show to, to sing the praises and shout out more role-playing <laughs> stuff that we aren't as uh, deep into. So yeah, uh, all, all that stuff is, is exciting. I, I definitely want to learn more about these, these gods. I want to know about this. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's what you've been doing uh, over on our end. The big thing that we've been playing a lot of together is code names, mm. which I don't think we need to tell a lot of people about, but it's a, a word guessing team-based game from check games edition. And the reason we've been playing it is because, uh, we got to go on Codenames Live, which is a uh, sort of a comedic online streamed game show version of Codenames that is uh, officially sanctioned by Czech Games. And uh, I think as of right now, you should be able to still find it on Twitch. Uh, if you Google it or we'll put a link in the description to watch our uh our game of it which we did quite well in by the way we uh <laughs> we we won we won most of our rounds uh but it's it, code names is not something i feel like we've it's been a little while since we've really got to play the full on traditional code names and i had a lot of fun and we so we used the online version as you go to this the website is codenames.game and it's an official version of the game online and it's really great because it's it just has everything on it. It's very well thought out. It's easy to use. Um, it's very well implemented. It's totally free and it's just right in browser. So I think it's an awesome tool for, if you want to play code names with people who are not necessarily in your living room. Yeah. Um, their, yeah. their online version is very good. It is well yeah. built. Yeah. It's really strong. Will, will any, uh, any, any takeaways from our games of code names that maybe you didn't have before? um no i can't think that we didn't say on the show but you should definitely go check out and find out what happens (laughs) what happens uh when when i'm in a panic for a clue and i try to link toast and baby oh Uh, okay it did not end up well out of context yeah weird tease well here here's my question to you will then because um famously not to me at least uh, we, we did a list of our top 10 party games, the YouTube video, and we had this discussion where you didn't put code names 
uh, maybe it wasn't just in your top 10 in general, but you specifically said that to you, you didn't think of it as much as a party game. And I wonder if any, if that, if that opinion wavered at all from playing it in a very fun environment with, with fun people. I, I mean, it was still fun. The thing is, I guess I still think party game. I usually think five is the minimum. Well, you can not counting if, the host. So if you have a team of three, V3, I guess, but I feel like I would like to play code names one on one. Interesting. Just, so you're you're just a code names duet guy. <laughs> well, no. When I say one on one, I mean each team. Oh, huh. okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, just because I think it's easier to go back and forth, uh, being the the code master. Like you don't have to wait a long time until it's your turn. I could you, see that. You, you know, you play multiple games. Um, and it's not like, oh God, how dare you bring this to Lightheart? You know, it's just, it's it's it's, it's like that small pedantic, like is a hot dog a sandwich kind of thing. That <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 just interesting to me. It's inter- I, I see where you're coming from though, but I but for me it is the plus it helps me when I make that distinction to fit other games on the list. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that's the real the real answer. Uh, but it was just like that was that was for sure a party. We were having a party last night. That was fun. Uh, but anyway, you can go check that out. And then a couple of things we've been doing uh, separately. Uh, I, I've been playing the Phantom card game, which I think maybe I'll be reviewing soon fully on the channel. But this is it was a Kickstarter. It's based on the Phantom comic book, which I don't know if anybody knows about but it's this very like old school pulp kind of superhero comic there was a movie about it like in the early 90s that didn't do very well um it's a guy who wears a purple jumpsuit with a mask and does does things (laughs) he rescues people wow great (laughs) yeah yeah i'm really you can tell i'm very invested in the source material uh but uh it's an interesting game it's very lcg like it feels uh, very much something like uh, marvel champions like that kind of a game you have a deck with the hero and then you go through different scenarios uh and each scenario has you don't know necessarily what the win condition is going to be there's a numbered deck of cards and as you play you progress through and new things pop up. You may add cards to your deck. Uh, and the, the basic gist of it is your cards will generate resources. You use those resources to play some of those cards. You can either play them or discard them to get the resources. And of course, you're fighting enemies as well. Uh, it can be played solo or uh, as a co-op game with two players. I just did the solo mode. And I don't know how readily available it is. I think they're doing another Kickstarter with an expansion maybe as well sometime in the future. Uh, but I imagine if you are a fan of the Phantom, you will really enjoy the implementation of it in this game. <laughs> uh, I know it's a comic my dad was a big fan of, but that's that's as much as I as I know. Uh, and will you were doing some Arkham Horror stuff? Yeah, I uh, started a new. Uh, we started the uh, Path to Carcosa campaign with a friend the the for the Arkham Horror card game. Mm-hmm. But the big thing I really want to talk about isn't from the Path to Carcosa cycle. It was actually from the Return to the Circle Undone. The Return to series, if you don't know, for the Arkham Horror card game is pretty much, if you've played through a campaign before, this adds harder cards, as well as some new player cards for you to mess around with. But the big thing from this one is they actually added tarot cards. Large ones. There are technically regular like equipments that are tarot cards you can put in your deck that you can actually now add to any campaign. And it's simply, you can shuffle it up. They have different ways, like you flip one and if it's face up or face down, maybe two, which is what we did. So you have one that's face, one one that's um, correct, one that's upside down. And the reason upside down in regular matter is if you've ever 
done a tarot reading and stuff, they cards have meanings. And if it's the regular uh, side up, you know, that's usually, usually it's positive uh, or it has its meaning, but if it's upside down, it has a negative or the reverse meaning of whatever the card is. These are just the major arcana, but they'll have effects like, oh, your hand size is increased by three. But if it's upside down, maybe it's decreased. So it pretty much adds these new little extra rules that I really like. It's like having an event deck for each campaign that you can shift around or keep permanent. Like they have so many different ways to use it and I love it because it adds, it's something I want to like bring to everything and be like, okay, this one, guess what, everyone? Uh, you can discard your weakness and not worry about it for the first time. That's fair. But you're going to, all the monsters have an extra health. <laughs> That's that sounds that reminds me of uh, and I'm sure other probably other rogue like video games have done this. But in Hades, uh, when you get to a certain point, you can like accept certain challenges in order yeah. to gain more experience and things. Yeah, it's a fun way to mix up the game when you played it a bunch. Yeah. And because I'd honestly say if you aren't obviously trying to look for a specific I need this harder difficulty. This might be a, a box you want to pick up pretty early on in your Arkham lifestyle. <laughs> lifestyle. <laughs> uh, I think it's a really cool. Also, obviously, the art is beautiful. Mm. They did a good job with the tarot cards. But I think it adds a lot of fun that uh, to the campaigns. Uh, whether you play on the easy mode, the harder mode, you can just do so much with them. So I'm really happy with that. Uh, as for the campaign itself, I'm actually playing as a person I didn't think I'd play as, the uh, the actress. Mm. because they actually, at least in the beginning, I don't know about the rest, because I don't want to spoil myself, uh, had a specific own prologue. So I'm like, oh, they're going to actually matter for their own things. So th their whole, and the reason why I said I wasn't going to play with them is their whole stick. If you don't know, there are, uh, now I'm embarrassed myself. Yeah, five classes mm -hmm. that characters belong to. They are neutral. So they no can be class. anything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, they, their whole, their gimmick is you actually have at the beginning of each round or start of the game and you can shift once per turn. You can go, I'm playing as Survivor. And you can only play Survivor cards. So they're just like a wild, you have to hope you draw the right cards. Really weird. That's <laughs> funny. And pretty much my whole goal is to desperately get a lot of experience. So, John, the thing you said about, you know, the challenge. Uh -huh. Yeah, I bought a card that's like, as long as you don't die, you get more experience. But if you oh. get defeated, you just get devoured. Oh, oh. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Let's go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds fun. Okay. So that's uh, Arkham Horror, the card game, Path to Carcosa, and the Circle Undone is the one with the cool challenge cards. Uh, that's, that's the stuff we've been playing. We're going to end the show now quickly with a board game game. That's right, a board game game. Uh, this week's board game game, we're going to do a board game draft. Mm. And the way this works is uh, we are each going to be planning a competing game night. And we are going to have to draft board games or uh, tabletop games in general, I should say. Could be RPGs, what have you, of a specific uh, theme. Oh, boy. Uh, one at a time uh, and and at the end and of course if someone drafts yours you cannot pick it again that's how drafting works we all we're all familiar with this uh and this week the theme is going to be dragons so oh. 
games with dragons in the now i'm putting a link in the chat here in our in our notes that uh, is board game geeks just a general list of games with dragons in them that you can feel free to peruse for some inspiration but any game doesn't have to be focused on dragons if there's a dragon tangentially in it or mentioned somewhere or you can argue there is one uh, then we're going to accept that as a choice uh now we're each gonna do i think three games um and we will do this snake style so the first uh, the, the third person to get a draft will get to draft two in a row so kelsey i'm gonna give it give you your choice if you want to start the draft and get the first pick or if you would like to go third and you'll get the chance to do two in a row uh, i'll take first pick um, all right and I am going to pick a uh, Disney villainous. Ooh. Hmm. All right. I love the, I love this uh, like pick already out of yeah. not, not what I would think of. And Maleficent was like the first thing that came into my head, her dragon form. And uh Disney villainous is probably, first of all, because of all the expansions and everything else is, is, is pretty, uh, you know, open for, for a lot of variation, but also just a very solid game. Yeah, yeah, we we've had a lot of fun. I, I the the original base game, uh, I I was not huge on, but every expansion that we played, I was yeah. like, oh, they really like did better stuff with this. Really, I was really impressed by that. And they're all a lot of the expansions you can just play on standalone. Own, yeah. yeah, so uh, good, good first pick. I, did, I didn't see that one coming. All right, will. It's it's on yeah. you. I know you as we yeah, said you're uh, I know you're a dragon guy so. <laughs> yeah, and I already my number one pick. I got to go cuz I really want to make sure I get this in mind is the Tea Dragon Society card game. All right. It's a deck building game but it is adorable dragons. It's not your fierce fire breathing mm-hmm. ones and they are cuddly and I actually think it is a very fun uh small deck builder. So definitely I think the great game to start off with. One I still have not had the chance to try but but adorable nonetheless. Uh, now when we first did this, I was worried. I was like, oh, I don't know. Are there enough games I can think of with dragons? And then I started looking and I'm like, oh, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of good ones. And I'm like, mm, do I go for something that's, you know, cool and under the radar? Yeah, I could do that. Or I could pick Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> the, the obvious pick. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to do it. I, my first pick is Dungeons and Dragons. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to take that. I mean, it lasted to, up to me. I'm going to take it. And uh, I don't think any explanation is necessary there. And then I'm going to do another another big cheat for my for my second uh, pick. And I'm going to go ahead and just say one of our favorite games that we talk about a lot and play a lot. Uh, legendary Marvel deck building game. Mm. There's dragons in there. You got you got Fin Fang Foom. You've got uh, Iron Fist has dragon stuff going on. Uh, you definitely have dragons in there. <laughs> That's a stretch, but I accept it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so there it is. I, 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 I did it. So, Will, it's back to you. Uh, now, if, unfortunately, this is where I'm like, I like the T dragon. I knew like off the bat, it's got to be in there. And the problem is not like I can't find one. It's like, what do I want to say? I only have two more picks left. We could we could go to four if we if we if people oh, have enough. I mean, oh we, god. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with, in a bit of a cheap pick, I guess, too, I'm going to go with Power Rangers Hero of the Grid, because oh someone's going to be playing as the Dragon Ranger. <laughs> All right, we are, we are just going full full stretch. I, I am into well, it. 
To, to be fair, I'm doing this partially because I'm like, you're going to play this with me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's cooperative, though. And, oh, wait, actually, I'm going to have to double check, but I think we could have multiple people playing with dragons and swords and stuff. So it's not just one. All I'm going right. to have to double check if they're out yet. Hey. I, 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 don't know. I, I accept it. I sanction it. All right, Kelsey, back to you. Got you have another another stretch? <laughs> no, actually, this is this was a uh, I I had forgot it technically has a dragon on the cover, but this list reminded me, and it is one of my favorite games, uh, Tsuro, um, oh, which is yeah, a, yeah. a great uh, like winding little map game, which I am very very fond of, and it's so I have to be like really, uh, how do I say this strategically? Um, I have to be very mindful of the games that I, I bring to the table with my friends because we have some very crunchy rules people and some very like I don't give a f- about rules people and <laughs> I don't know if I was allowed to swear but I just swore. We, we we can bleep it it's fine okay great <laughs> <laughs> um, and Suro is great because it it there are rules but it's very rules light and I don't have to worry about people just like flipping open a rule book and taking twenty minutes figuring out something um, and yeah. it's very fun. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Sorrow's a good pick. And uh, I think by our snake rules, you get to make another pick. Right? Uh, then I'm going to go in the opposite direction and make everyone suffer. Uh, <laughs> and I am going to pick uh, the Lord of the Rings board game, the game that hates you. Uh, Ooh, this and- is the, the Reiner Knizia one? The yeah, yeah, yeah. One? Yeah, it hates you. <laughs> uh, and it is, I don't know if you've ever played that one. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it it does hate you. That game does hate you, <laughs> and I like having everyone I know play it at least once so they understand what true suffering is. Um, and and given that we have Smaug in in Lord of the Rings, I of will, uh, or at least the Lord of the Rings world canon, and also there are just dragons in that realm in general. I will I will add that for my pick just so I can include some suffering. Yeah. Definitely valid. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I really like that game actually. It's uh oh, it hates you though. It like actually yeah. like that yeah. that board game has built a personality <laughs> and says just like you're the worst person and I'm gonna make you upset that you played me. <laughs> and that's what I look for in my games. <laughs> uh, all right, Will, your third pick. So uh, my third pick, I guess it's uh, once again we're going cheating again. It's gonna be. I'm going to force everyone to play Magic the Gathering Commander. Oh, but boy. in advance, I'm going to build everyone dragon-specific okay, decks. Okay, okay. Each one with their own unique commander. So it's not four Ur dragons. Uh, I already know which game that I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Hey, there's dragon. I can't, I can't argue with you. I went D&D, you went Magic. All right, now for my third choice, oh, there's a lot of potential good ones here and i want to go with one that's that's really that's a hundred percent has dragons in it <laughs> and i think i will take i just don't know which iteration of it i want but i think i'm gonna say a game of thrones the board game oh, okay uh it could be the lcg uh i i all there's there's some other i actually really like the game of thrones uh oathbreaker social deduction game but i that one i don't know if there's really dragons in it but uh there's definitely dragons uh kind of in the background of of the game of thrones board game at least if you get the expansion do we want to do we want to do a fourth do people have fourth picks because i'm uh i, I do have kind a of excited very to... <laughs> well here I'll, I'll i'll then i'll do i'll do my my fourth in a row and you know what i'm gonna throw this one on there just because i feel like i should 
Uh, it's a game that I have in my collection, but we haven't had the chance to actually play it yet, but I feel s- strongly about it. And that's Trogdor, the board game. Trogdor! From, uh, well, that's right, from Homestar Runner. Yeah. You can't have a dragon knight without Trogdor. That's probably true. <laughs> All right. Well, what else? What did you get? Uh, mine would be because I this would fall under the I'm excited to have it hit the table, and that's Flamecraft. Mm. Craft. I don't know Flamecraft. Yeah, that's because uh, it was just on yet. Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're actually playing the tabletop simulator version. Okay, I was gonna be like, dang, what's this game? Uh, once again, I think it, it matches once again very well with my first pick of Tea Dragon Society. Of look, dragons can be cute and adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, Kelsey, it falls to you for your final choice. So I, I think. I'm caught between the thing that I actually enjoy and a cheating pick. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the cheating pick because everyone else got one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to put Gloomhaven on there. Because uh, like Gloomhaven, <laughs> it's it's God, it's Gloomhaven. It's like the biggest, well, one of the, it has to be one of the most highly played board games, I feel like. It's up there. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I, I like it. I don't often play it because the amount of time it takes to play a game of, of, of Gloomhaven. I'm going to give uh, honorable mention to Dragon Dice, though, which is something mm. that I enjoy. And like the fan base for Dragon Dice is like rabid. <laughs> and I, I appreciate their, their enthusiasm for it. All right. So your final lineup for your game night is Villainous, Disney Villainous, Sorrow, the Lord of the Rings and Gloomhaven. Yeah, I guess I have two games that hate you, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Will's got the T Dragon Society, Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid, Magic the Gathering Commander, and Flamecraft. <laughs> and mine is Dungeons and Dragons, Marvel oh Legendary, God. A Game of Thrones, and Trogdor. I got to be honest, I don't know if I want to go to any of these games. <laughs> Uh, sound miserable. <laughs> uh, we, you and I each have uh, one heavy campaign game. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I but I I think for me, I think maybe Kelsey wins because you at least even though Lord of the Rings is punishing, it's not very complex. Yeah, and three of your games are pretty light, and they'd be maybe a nice a nice warm up for Gloomhaven. Uh, I, I think I could handle that. Uh, Will's is not bad either. I actually think I put myself in last place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's a fair ranking uh, great good we're all in agreement then all right so those are our our picks uh if, if you're listening to the show we'd love to hear uh, which game night you would want to attend or if you have any other questions or comments in general about tabletop gaming you can send them to us you can join our meeple gallery by emailing us at meeplegallery at gmail.com and uh kelsey I'm so I'm so grateful and so happy that you were here on the show. You're an excellent guest. You have earned experience points, of course, from this journey. Hell yeah. And you get to spend them right now on telling people how and where they can follow you online. Sweet. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at MX underscore danger. And then everywhere else on the internet, you can find me as MX underscore magpie. That's Twitch. That's uh uh, where else can you find me? LinkedIn. Do you want to find me on LinkedIn? <laughs> um, but mostly I am I am a Twitter and Twitch creature. So you can find me in, in those two places. Uh, I also just haunt the, the Gen Con Discord. So if you ever come in there and have a question, I am the person who's answering it at 4 a.m. Perfect. We will put links to all that stuff 
in the show notes below the episode. And if you want more Roll for Crit, you can follow our links to YouTube content, live streams, merch, and more at our website, rollforcrit.com. If you really like us and you want bonus audio podcasts every week, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash roll for crit or you can just rate and review us on itunes which is also helpful to us if you like the show and that's gonna do it so uh there's a lot of stuff that happened this week but we got through it and i'm glad we were all here together to <laughs> to grin and bear it <laughs> uh thanks again kelsey for joining the show and thanks to everybody for listening uh once again my name is jonathan i'm will and this was the roll for crit podcast <laughs>